a shop owner going out of business, an aloof employee willing to go to desperate measures, a strange plant with a taste for human flesh? All this can only mean one thing. We're comparing Little Shop of Horrors on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. I'm Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Bueller. Welcome to another episode of Retro vs. Remake, the podcast where we discuss films and their remakes. Join us as we explore the question, should this remake exist? Today's film is Little Shop of Horrors, the original Little Shop of Horrors, 1960, starring Jonathan Hayes, Jackie Joseph, Mel Wells, Dick Miller, and Jack Nicholson, directed by Roger Corman. Screenplay by Charles B. Griffith. He was also the voice of Audrey Jr. And music by Fred Katz. Little Shop of Horrors, 1986, starring Rick Moranis, Ellen Green, Vincent Gardenia, Steve Martin, John Candy, Bill Murray, and Levi Stubbs as Audrey II. Directed by Frank Oz. Screenplay by Howard Ashman. The music by Miles Goodman. And the songs in the movie are written by Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. Okay, just before we get started, a note that the remake is actually not entirely based on the original film, but off the off-Broadway musical that was made in 1982. Reggie, what is your first experience with either film? First experience is watching it for this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just completely missed this one. Um, familiar enough with some of the big you know, catchphrases like Feed Me, See More. I'm familiar with that and the zeitgeist, as it were, but I've never actually watched uh, the film. I have watched the remake when I was younger. It was on HBO all the time. I don't really remember it too much because I was really young when it first came out, but I definitely remember watching it, and I think it scared me because that, <laughs> that plant was just uh, eating people and just scaring me. I definitely watched it kind of remembered a couple of the songs like you said just kind of in the zeitgeist like the little shop of horror is the main theme i already kind of knew that before re-watching it for this and the original i never watched i just knew uh jack nicholson was in it because i guess i'd seen something about his early or one of his earliest roles yeah my first time watching the original was for this first like run through uh no i was doing some research after the fact I realized that that was Jack Nicholson, but I really wasn't paying that much attention at the time. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into characters down uh, the line. Yeah, there you go, Jack Nicholson. Very early, Jack. Okay, uh, before we get into our comparison, let's go over a synopsis. A lot of things changed, so this is going to be very short and brief. We begin in 1960's Skid Row. Mr. Mushnick runs his failing flower shop. Employed there are Seymour and Audrey. Mr. Mushnick proclaims that the shop will be out of business soon. However, Seymour has a unique plant which he thinks might help save the shop. The plant is some type of Venus flytrap. To Mushnick's surprise, the plant is a hit. People begin spending lots of money just to see the unique plant, which Seymour named after Audrey. Business is good, but suddenly the plant starts dying. Not sure what to do, Seymour stays up all night with the plant trying to nurse it back to health. Accidentally, Seymour cuts himself and discovers that the plant thrives on his blood. Seymour then becomes the plant's only source of nourishment as he drains blood from his fingers. Soon the blood from his fingers isn't enough. The plant needs to eat people. Seymour then brings bodies to the plant. 
One of the victims is the local dentist. Mr. Mushnick even sees Seymour with a body one night. Once the plant is healthy, things begin to fall in place. Seymour is getting fame, and soon he will have Fortune and Audrey, whom he has always loved all along. However, the plant craves more food, more victims, and Seymour finally has had enough. He confronts the plant in one final showdown, and each movie ends their own respected ways. Okay, so very brief. Lots of the characters are the same, but um, lots of things are different. So let's get into those differences. And I think the first place to start is just uh, that they're two different genres, pretty much. The original is just a straight-out comedy, while the remake is a musical comedy. Like we said, it was based on an off-Broadway musical. So, did it help the remake? What do you think? I think that it does help the remake to be its own unique thing. Well, one, the subject matter for both films is obviously it's comedic, but with a sense of... Uh, danger like there is that horror element to the story but overall they're both comedies i think by making a musical it really gets to embrace like a subject matter that you know if you didn't do it as a musical i think you'd have to address more backstory than you'd have to but it's just kind of tongue-in-cheek once it becomes a musical so there's not really a lot of questions or you have to ask about what's happening in the film because uh, if there are questions they'll be answered by a song yeah they definitely use the music to help I just advance the story. They, we have these three girls there. They're acting like a Greek chorus. They're uh, explaining what just happened or what the character's going through. So it really makes it easy as an audience member to digest exactly what's happening through these songs. It definitely helps benefit from what I see all around. I don't think there's really any negatives with putting any music. Well, first off, the original is a short film on its own. It's like barely over an hour. And the remake's only an hour and a half. So it's not like the music makes it any longer either. You're getting these catchy songs helping explain the story. I think it's win-win. Oh, 100% agree because I'm just thinking about trying to watch the film if they had done it without the musical element, just as a straight-up movie. I'm sure it could have been interesting and, um, you know, well done, but the subject matter really does lend itself to uh, the camp of a musical. So I think it's just a really smart choice because trying to watch it sort of straight up with the same subject matter, I think... I'd be trying to poke more holes into the film. And that didn't really happen because, like you said, everything was so catchy and fun. You just go with it because it fits the theme. I liked it. And another thing, just going back to what you said before, it helps uh, with the characters, too. Because now our main characters are all getting their own songs. So we're learning about their motivations. We're learning about who they are as people. So it lets us spend more time with them. So you start to invest in the characters more. Like I said, the original was pretty short, so we don't spend a lot of time on a lot of the characters. But by giving each of the main characters their own kind of song and message about what they want to do for the future, it uh, it works really well. Because when you watch the original, sort of every character that you get introduced to has a very obvious character trait that sort of gets driven home. So they don't spend a lot of time on everyone's motivation. They just point out, hey, this person's greedy or this person's family members are always dying. This person's sick, you know, so it's easy to latch on to what the character's sort of trait is and it allows you to understand sort of what their motivation is. But in the musical, again, like like musicals do, they're telling you. They're telling you exactly what they're thinking because your inner your inner monologue can become more of the actual dialogue through song. It's a very smart addition. I guess one other positive is it also helps sort of solidify it that it's in the 60s, you know, the style of music, especially when it's the those three girls, very much like the Supremes or something like that. 
And then you also heard something in the background really quickly in the remake about like President Kennedy. So it's like that type of music plus a little President Kennedy. Just like, okay, this is definitely in the 60s. It's not in the 80s. So I know where I am. Okay, this music makes sense. That's a good point. The costume design comes into play. Some of the sets and the cars that are being driven, uh, the way people were talking. The remake does a good job of framing what time everything's happening. The original really doesn't focus on, you know, when things are occurring in terms of the decade because it's just really living in the moment. But because this is like an homage to this older film, the remake does a really good job, like you mentioned, with showing you that it's based in a certain time frame with the way people are dressed, the way people talk. And like you said, the the Kennedy line. You could miss it if you're not paying attention, but it, again, reinforces when everything's happening. Yeah. I guess I did have maybe just one little negative. I mean, it's really music heavy, the movie, and it's pretty easy or you, pretty quickly once the song starts, you know what the song's about. Like, oh, this is about Audrey and what she wants for the future, or this is what Seymour wants for the future. So the songs are a little long and there's a lot of them. So I would sometimes just check out a little bit because I'm like, I get it. I know what's happening. And, you know, some of the songs just repeat a bit, especially Suddenly Seymour. Suddenly Seymour. <laughs> I like it, but I guess just for me, it was just a little longer than I prefer. That's all. From a musical perspective, I would say that there are some very, very strong songs that you don't mind being longer than there's other songs, like you mentioned, that get repetitive. They're not really that unique or, you know, entertaining sometimes to hear some of them. So there's a sort of a range of the quality of song you're getting. I, I noticed that because, like you mentioned, Suddenly Seymour definitely sticks out to me as a song that I get it, you know, they like each other, but why is this five minutes? <laughs> yeah. It's really cool in the beginning when you see the opening credits and you're like, oh man, this is going to be an awesome movie. But then I guess it sort of loses its kind of mystique as you keep doing more and more uh, musical numbers that don't have those cool visuals all the time. So I guess the less catchy the song was and the less visual appealing it was, the less I would pay attention overall. <laughs> What I'm thinking about it is the songs that were upbeat to me were really the strong point. Yeah. And I think I think that part of it is it, it is an upbeat song. And then, like you mentioned, the visuals. But when they slow things down, I found that those moments, I think I wasn't really too concerned with their relationships. I was more sort of concerned with, like, the big elephant in the room, in this case, the big plant in the room, and, you know, what's going on there. And I was a little more focused on that than the Seymour-Audrey um, relationship, as it were. So I found when they slowed it down, that was when I tended to check it, check out. But, you know, like I said, it's more of a small musical gripe, not really, doesn't really make the movie bad, per se. It's just, you know. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, because the star of the movie is the plant. You want to see the plant. And then uh, while Seymour and Audrey are cute, and uh, I guess you want to see them together, we don't want to spend the whole movie with them. And those long musical numbers that they have, do drag on a little bit and like you said the upbeat visually exciting musical numbers are definitely the ones that draw you in the most i will say this as well because you know uh there's a musical element but both films are comedies the original you know sign of the times just it's kind of like on the nose of all comedy and there's there's some genuinely funny aspects to the film i really did like the the comedic aspects of the original but i felt that a lot of the comedy in the remake was really subtle which made it a lot funnier for me. For instance, before like the Suddenly Seymour song, when she's talking about her past and, you know, the clothes that she was wearing when she met her uh, boyfriend, which we'll get into. 
Uh, and she's like, you know, not nice clothes like what I'm wearing now. And she's, like, <laughs> <laughs> she, she's, she's got a very unique way that she dresses. And I, I found that like moments like that were funny. And I wish there was a little bit more of that as opposed to the longer runtime on the songs. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. Just, go, I guess, going back to the comedy aspect of the original, a lot of those jokes, too, were pretty subtle and sort of a lot of the background characters made a lot of jokes that if you weren't really paying attention, then you wouldn't hear them at all. I guess I should say here that the original, which, you know how long it took to shoot the original? I'm just going to throw a guess out there and call it five days. Two and a half days. <laughs> Close. Double the amount. I was trying to be generous because the way you were talking, it sounded like it was even less. Yeah, it, it was pretty short. And I think they only had like two cameras at a time just to get different angles. It doesn't really feel like a movie. It feels almost more like a play because you're getting a lot of these long shots and then you're not really zoomed in on the person who's talking because it's, it's just zoomed out on everybody that's talking all the time. So just the way the original is shot just feels more like a play while the remake feels more cinematic and what they did, even though that one's based on an off-Broadway play. Right. Frank Oz was able to <laughs> make it more, make it feel more like a movie. I could, I could definitely see that. And you're right, the original, like you said, a lot of zoomed-out shots, a lot of people in the vicinity at the same time sort of taking turns talking, like you saw a little bit of that. It did feel like a play in that aspect. And I think it really lends itself to that, just the way... We're saying all these characters had a unique kind of um, character trait in general that they work with. So it did help from that aspect of it being like a play. You probably, I think you might have touched on this before, but again, throwing in the musical aspect to this movie definitely sells you the idea that it's a comedy. Because it is pretty gruesome subject matter at the core of it, that people are being fed to a plant just so it can grow. Having those... Musical moments definitely lets you know that this is not serious. <laughs> this is all a comedy. It's okay. And they're probably bad people dying anyway. There's elements that we'll talk about as we go through the characters. But when you think about some of the choices of who dies in the films and how they die, um, the remake to me gives me an even more comedic aspect to it uh, with the musical numbers and stuff like that. It's like not only is someone like dying, but you know, here's a song about it. <laughs> Everything in that film feels, in a weird way, although it's more more of a realistic film, obviously with the way everything's designed and set, the deaths feel a little more innocent throughout, as it were. Whereas in the original, things seem to start pretty innocent and then ramp up. Um, yeah, yeah in a get, way you don't see in the, the remake. Yeah, they get pretty dark and <laughs> and spread out in the original. But I guess we'll get to that. Let's change course here and go over the characters because there's a lot of differences with with all the characters actually all of them. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> let's start with our main human character i guess seymour we have jonathan hayes in the original and we have rick moranis in the remake seymour versus seymour where do you want to start with that funny enough um as i was watching the original i was thinking about the remake and i was like wow rick moranis is actually a pretty damn perfect casting choice based on the character that we see in this original film. Jonathan Hayes, yeah, he's just so, <laughs> I don't know, he's just he's a nerd for sure, but he's just so kind of like pathetic. Is that the right word? Like, I don't know. He's just, I don't know if pathetic is probably not the right word. Kind of just like ultra innocent. Yeah, you know? he's very naive. He doesn't understand or know what's happening at all, almost. Yeah, pretty much at all. He's 
basically like a man man child. Yes, from, definitely. I'll say that one difference that we get from the films is that this particular version is a little more hands on with the creation of the of the um, Audrey plant, which I thought was an interesting dynamic because really that's one of the few times we actually get to see you know him expressing himself as a character. I thought that it was interesting that he like was doing research about plants and different things of that nature. So I felt that was a good opportunity to showcase a character that, you know, other than just being naive and, and childish, pretty straightforward character, I would say. I don't know. What's your take on uh, Steve Moore? By the way, that musical number is one of my favorite musical numbers in the movie when he discovers the Audrey 2. Oh my. That's great. It's great. I love the way they shot it. I love the song. It's crashy. Anyways, yeah. that original Seymour, he just he definitely is an idiot. <laughs> They're both kind of <laughs> idiots. But again, going to the strength of making this movie or making them remake a musical is you do get a moment with Seymour and he's not just this idiot going through the motions. He does have dreams. He does want to get out of there one day. You know, he has motivation just beyond that flower shop. The original Seymour, he just almost seems like he's just being a good employee. You don't know exactly what he wants. I guess he likes Audrey. But the original is weird because you never really get any one-on-one time with any of the characters. They're always with other people. They never really get to share their motivations. They never really do when they're with the other people, which is another strength of that remake. Just as long as those musical numbers were they at least let you know the characters and their motivations. So I was able to sympathize a little more with the Rick Moranis Seymour than I was the original, which is also almost by design because I feel like they were making a comedy in the 60s and they weren't exactly trying to make deep characters. They were just trying to make these kind of goofy characters. Goofy characters and funny moments. So, you know, even though like Seymour is obviously our protagonist, he's the main person, it's kind of like interchangeable, you know, or expendable, even though he's the main character. It doesn't really matter who finds the plan. I guess it matters because he is so naive. Maybe someone else would have, um, wouldn't have got themselves into that situation. No, I think you're right. Whereas Rick Moranis' character too, we even get a real backstory. It's preposterous, but it's a real backstory of how he ends up in the flower shop. He's mm. basically like more or less a foster child of, um, of the shop owner. We do get to see, like you mentioned his origins, sort of where he's been and where he wants to go. Whereas in the original, we know that he messes up. That's what we know. He messes up all the time. He apparently gets fired all the time, but this time was going to be the last time he got fired unless he got the plant idea to work. But really, other than that, what we know about him other than that, he likes Audrey. Just not much happening with that character. I'll say this about the remake too. It's definitely more emphasis on the love story. Like I said, the original, they're probably just going for a comedy, and then they maybe kind of threw in the love between Seymour and Audrey just at the very end, which was kind of weak because she kind of falls out of love with him after he's just a little bit weird, but I guess maybe we'll get into that later. Again, by having these moments alone with Seymour, with Audrey, they were able to build on that love story and really make you root for these characters to not only live out their dreams, but to hopefully come together before the movie's over yeah and as we go through the different characters we'll be able to sort of talk about a lot of the motivations in the remake that we may not be able to in the original but um the circumstance that audrey's in in the remake sort of reinforces why you should care about the the 
Seymour and Audrey relationship. You know, um, there's there's actual sort of tension there. There's a there's an actual problem that needs to be surmounted. Whereas in the original, hey, he works at the shop and <laughs> likes the uh, the owner's daughter. You know, that's that's it. True. We could just talk about Audrey now if you yeah, want. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. We can just jump into Audrey because in the remake, the tension that I'm sort of alluding to is that Audrey is in an abusive relationship already. And, you know, she comes to the shop with black eyes. She, her arm gets messed up at times. And it's very obvious very early in the movie that she's in a bad relationship. And it gives you a framework to make you want to root for her, Rick Moranis' version of Seymour, because we know she's with a bad guy. And conversely, we would like to see her with a good guy, who's we presume that's who Seymour represents in this scenario. Yeah, and this Audrey has a lot more character in the remake. She has this very specific style. She almost reminds me of um, Pinky from uh, Grease. I don't know, just the way she talks. I can't quite emulate it, but she's got kind of has a like, high-pitched um, sort of... Uh, it's a very high-pitched, soft voice that she has. Yes, definitely. She comes across at all times as like uh, because of just her general demeanor as like a damsel in distress. Yeah. She comes across as like very fragile like she's very skinny she's got that very faint high-pitched voice and then she's in this abusive relationship you feel like she'd get broken at like any second which i think makes you just root even more for her and seymour to happen because oh my god this poor girl there's no way she can handle any more abuse she sort of resigned herself to this abuse as well like she feels that she isn't deserving of uh of something better in life you know that gets verbalized a lot throughout the film and both characters, both Seymour and Audrey, have that same sort of feeling that neither one of them thinks that they deserve better. And again, it reinforces that, hey, we should root for these these people. In the original, Audrey... Uh, what, can you, like, what can you say about her? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I feel like we say this a, a decent amount about um, female characters in the original movies. They're just there. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, uh, I guess in that sense, I'm glad that film has evolved and that we've, you know, made more space for interesting female characters. That particular movie, this is not the case. Audrey is more or less Seymour's cheerleader for no reason at all. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it right there. She's rooting for the guy, even when he really isn't redeemable. <laughs> like, he's bad at his job. So no. why did... Why should he still be there? You know, he's uh, a klutz. He's, you know, he's a pushover. And she's still always, like, encouraging him, which I guess is nice. And I can see why Seymour likes likes her. But why does she like Seymour? That yeah. part, that's the mystery for me. Yeah. And they even have this date, which is not romantic at all. It's pretty awkward. Again, I know it's a comedy. But from an audience point of view, you don't understand why she's, like, fine with it or, like, why she's into him at all. Like, you can see why he would like her, but I just can't see why she would reciprocate at all. I know it's a yeah. comedy, but not getting anything from her point of view. Only thing that kind of maybe helps me with, with that is that um, I guess he fits into sort of a, a caregiver role, which I guess would be more important at the time because he helps his mother. You know, the success that he's found with the plant, um, it seems that like a lot of the women in the movie, once he becomes sort of famous and more successful... <laughs> are into him because for whatever reason, Seymour in that original film gets a bit of a fan club. <laughs> is it weird that they're like local, like, well, I was going to say they were high schools, but I don't think they actually are. I think actually. they're, I was thinking they're they were college, college girls. That's what I was hoping. <laughs> yeah. 
Because they were talking about the Rose Parade. So. Yeah, but they're significantly younger than him, at least, you know. Yeah, you, you get that aspect where it's like he's got this group of like co-eds that are like obsessed with him. Maybe there's something, excuse me, maybe there's more to this guy than than he appears. But, you know, overall, I'm not I'm not seeing it. Not at all. It's everybody's fascination with him is very uh, superficial. Like nobody really cares about the Seymour himself. They just care because he's like famous and everything. Like I said, it's a comedy. <laughs> so I kind of went yeah. with it. I didn't really question it too much. I guess just going back to Audrey. Yeah, she didn't really do much in the original. It could have been anybody, really. It could have been another dude at the shop, just like being his cheerleader, like, help. Hey, come on, this is my good buddy Seymour. Don't you want to see his plant in the basement? You know, the love story was, oh, it it wasn't good. (laughs) It wasn't really good in the original. That wasn't good in, you know, there's not an equivalent character in the next film, but like Seymour's mother in the original really doesn't like her. I don't know what that is, you know, um, could be just sort of like this weird, jealous maternal thing, but um, she's constantly trying to drive him away from Audrey, and there's not really a lot of pushback to sort of counteract that, so again, the whole relationship, like you mentioned, feels sort of shoehorned in, even though it's supposed to be a major factor. Well, I don't know if it's supposed to be a major factor, like, I know it's a major factor in the remake, but maybe that's just not what they were going for in the original. Maybe they were trying to show that, hey, your stupid romance movies are dumb, because look, this could be a romance thing. I'm not exactly sure. Those two characters and their romantic story are definitely done much better in the remake. No questions there. I agree with you 100%, because I really, I I don't remember Audrey much from the first film. Gotta agree with that. Which character should we go to? I guess the third piece of the mushnik shop oh yeah <laughs> all right so we got mr mushnik here oh maybe i should just briefly say mr. too the audrey in the original was played by jackie joseph and in the remake she's played by ellen green ellen green who actually played audrey in the off-broadway production so she got to reprise her role in the movie and i think she was the only actor from the broadway play that was brought into the movie so let's go on to mushnik Mushnik yeah. was played by Mel Wells in the original and Vincent Gardenia in the remake. Mr. Mushnik in both films are extremely similar characters. In the original and the remake, you're talking about a shop owner. He He's a florist on Skid Row. Like That doesn't seem very lucrative, and it obviously isn't very lucrative <laughs> at the beginning of the films. You can tell that for both characters, money is their major motivation. Yep. I would say... In the original, at least on the front end, that's even more apparent. That like he really, pretty much just cares about the money. You know, the other characters really don't factor into his equation, other than firing him so that he doesn't have to pay them anymore. Yeah, he's pretty much the same until the end, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, you know, I wasn't trying to jump there, but I think. We, you almost have to. I think we have to because they are so similar. So I guess I'll just get into it. Both Mr. Mushniks see Seymour with body parts, but one decides he's going to sort of blackmail him. Or first he's going to take him to the authorities, then he decides to kind of blackmail him. And that Mr. Mushnik dies in the remake. So we have one Mushnik who lives the entire movie, and we have one that dies. Yeah. What did you think about that decision to kill off this character? I think killing off the character made things, I don't know, well, I guess because the musical 
doesn't really have to contend with some of the same consequences because of the genre. I thought it actually made things a little bit messier for me. I guess you're getting sort of a problem out of the way. Let's let's put it this way: the two films are approaching the disappearances, the deaths, different. We'll start there because in the original film, you basically have like a detective's voiceover at the beginning, and when he discovers the body parts, you have that voiceover again in the original where you're saying, you know, at this point, Mr. Mushnick could have come to the authorities and maybe things would have ended differently. You don't have that same sort of backdrop in, in the remake. Mm-hmm. And the way that um, characters disappear, killing off Mushnick there, I don't know, I, maybe I'm comparing it too much to the original because I felt like, oh, I felt like we could have got more out of that character. But his turn to me was really interesting, just how kind of like evil he got. Yeah, right? <laughs> He was a greedy guy in both films, um, but there was there was more caring about Seymour in the original. You know, he tried to help him out the entire time. Where in the remake, he was like, "Well, here's my opportunity. I saw something horrific, and it seems like I'm gonna do the right thing and take you to the cops. But actually, this is my opportunity to like blackmail you. I'll take the plant. You go on the run, and I'll get the fame. I'll get the money. Which I guess by the logic of the new film, because pretty much." Everyone that dies, save one person, kind of deserves it, I guess, in mm-hmm. that standpoint. Whereas in the in the original, it didn't really it wasn't really about deserving dying or not. People just kind of died. Yeah, it was it was a little weird. Uh, I did like Mushnick in the original. I thought he was one of the more interesting, more developed characters actually. And right. to see him take that turn in the remake, it did confuse me a little bit. And I was completely shocked to see him die. Yeah, I didn't entirely agree with it, but I think I understand why they did it. Because instead of introducing a new character, you're going to have one of your main characters die just to raise the stakes to show that, well, this guy died. Anybody can die now. I think that's what they were going for. And then when we talk about the original ending for the remake, I think his death makes a lot more sense when you talk about it in those terms. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat where it's like, um, I don't agree with the choice, but I, like you said, I understand it. It sort of goes counter to the story that Seymour is telling in, in the remake about how he got to the plant shop, you know, which seems more of like a charitable thing that was happening there. But, you know, in, in that context, was it, you know, or was this always about sort of exploiting Seymour? Hmm. Was that was that what was happening the whole time? It, it puts an edge on a character that i don't think needed it (laughs) yeah it it didn't because yeah he is kind of this goofy owner that doesn't really know how to save his own business and to have him turn that evil that he needed to be killed by the plant yeah it was a little bit of a shocker and uh, yeah i'll say it again i didn't really agree with it yeah i'm trying not to let my um my viewing of the original sort of taint my um my viewing of the remake but it does because (laughs) it it is a stronger character from the original film the way things play out in that original film with him when you know basically the cops find out what seymour had done he tries to help you know he tries to help seymour and it, it it makes him an endearing character where he is a flawed person he's a flawed character but in this moment the chance where he gets to be a human he does sort of the right thing, as it were. And in this other opportunity, like, all right, same thing. You've got this greedy sort of character. 
He's over the top. He's almost a caricature. And then mm-hmm. when he gets a chance to like maybe do the right thing, he immediately flips it into, no, you know, I'm going to do the exact wrong thing here, and I'm going to try to cover up a murder for my own personal gain. And the stakes become exceedingly high, which, as you mentioned, it does show you that a major character can die, but I think at the expense of sort of the audience being behind that character at any point in the film. Yeah, so Mr. Mushnick. Mr. Mushnick. He's, he, he's one of the characters. Um, and I definitely have to give the uh, edge to the original. I liked what they did with him more there. I agree. The original Mr. Mushnick, one, geez, I can't even imagine a movie without him in the mm. original. Because I don't know how you get to anything. No, he carried so much in the original. Like I, I don't think you get anything done without Mr. Mushnick in the original, which is probably why I'm kind of holding it so close to the chest. That, like, yeah, I'm not a fan of him getting killed off in the remake, but he, he's less of um, an important piece in the remake, which I think is why they were willing to sacrifice him. Yeah, but I don't know. I like you said the nod to the original for that particular character. Yeah. That turn comes really does come out of nowhere. Maybe if he had one of those songs that everybody else had, he never had a solo song. That's the problem. If he, had, is. If he had one of those songs talking about how what his number one goal is, and if it was greed and getting wealthy, then I would have been more on board with his sudden death. But since he was kind of a background character in the remake, his turn really was, huh? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Because it's so easy to focus on the remake. I will say this, that Mel Wells... His turn from actually seeing the body parts, I really like that scene in the original film. Yeah, I really like that too because it's like you're put in this awkward situation where you want to talk to somebody about this <laughs> subject that you don't want to talk about. So you're sort of hinting around it and yeah. like, I hope you say it because I don't want to say it. Can you yeah. say it? <laughs> they really have a good back and forth at that moment. Yeah. It's, it's like ghosts I can handle, but this. <laughs> And when he asked us, like, bring me tequila, vodka, creme de <laughs> Oh, <laughs> like, that was great. Yeah, he was out to dinner and he was, <laughs> ordered every drink. Oh, it's so good. Again, it, it's a great scene because it plays off of... You don't get a lot of backstory for the original characters, but it does play off the fact that, like, he's definitely known around town for, like, skipping out on payment for yeah. things. You know, and the waitress wasn't having it. She was like, you need to go get money from the shop. So you get more background into him and sort of his financial situation which we know is dire, but that's really hammered home in that scene. He sees, obviously, one of the craziest things you could possibly see. <laughs> he doesn't know how to mentally deal with it. And his reaction is, I'm going to go exactly back to where I just was. <laughs> I'm going to basically try to buy any form of alcohol they have. And all right, I can't pay for it. Just take my watch because I, you know what? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Mushkin has seen some shit in the uh, remake. And again, that that one, you know, minor scene, but for that original film, major scene actually gives you just all this insight, all this, this fun playoff. And I think that's why I like the character so much in the original. Yeah. Whereas the remake, it's like, yeah, he saw something and now he's threatening people and he's willing to, you know, cross the line as it were. So he loses a lot of appeal for me there. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. Let's go on to, to the other character who resides in the shop, are Audrey Plants. So in the original, it's Audrey Jr., who is voiced by Charles B. Griffith, the 
screenplay writer. And then we have Audrey 2 in the remake, voiced by Levi Stubbs from The Four Tops. I love that song, Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. I used to play that on repeat all the time. Just throwing that out there before we get into comparisons. Good jam. <laughs> One of my favorites. All right, so Audrey Jr. versus Audrey 2. The movie, very early on in the remake, makes a big deal. You can see in sort of like the opening scroll that this Audrey 2 is important. They put a lot of effort and a lot of resources into making the Audrey 2 work. Visually, of course, Audrey 2 is just a much more interesting plant to look at. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty incredible. And from a personality standpoint, which again, even in this film, the plant has way more personality. He's singing, he's dancing, you know, for a plant. <laughs> <laughs> and Levi Subs does an incredible job with the voice acting on this. He plays a great musical villain. <laughs> the original film, Audrey Jr., it's okay, you know. Visually, I guess for the time, it's actually it's impressive what they were able to pull off. Um, but it, it's not even close. You know? It doesn't hold a candle to what they could do with uh, puppeteering in 1986. Well, not at all. And you know the the major part, the major kind of turn for the plant being able to speak. Uh, they do so much more with it in the remake because obviously, again, with it being a musical, not only does it speak, it sings and. It's an alien, which is <laughs> super, <laughs> super cool, too. Um, I like that in the original, you know, Seymour has more of a role in the fact that Audrey Jr. exists. He, you know, he's cross-pollinating plants and that. That's interesting. But you're not going to beat that the plant <laughs> came from space during a total eclipse of the moon. <laughs> yeah, with that beautiful musical number again, which I love. <laughs> and, you know, every, every once in a while, a, a Chinese shopkeeper is going to sell you a strange plant. <laughs> He might sell you a plant, might sell you a mogwai. Hey, you never know. You just never know in your 80s film what <laughs> a shopkeep of Chinese descent will do. I know. <laughs> they sold some crazy shit in the 80s, those Chinese shops. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. The song's, the song's incredible. Great intro. And yeah, I mean, from the beginning, Audrey 2. I guess there's a reason it's Audrey 2. Audrey 2 is the much more impressive Audrey. No question. Wholeheartedly agree. The voice of Audrey Jr. in the original Charles B. Griffith wasn't even supposed to be the original voice. He just did those voiceovers on set. And I guess over time, the director or whoever was editing it just got so used to it. They're like, all right, we'll just keep the same voice. There's not a lot of personality with the voice. It's kind of just this deep dominating, you will feed me. Come on, feed me, Seymour. And then you got yeah. Levi Stubbs, which is, come on, Seymour, you got to give me some food, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's such personality, so such good. a pep in that voice, you know? So good. It's a classic character in that remake, yeah. that's for sure. He's a bad mama, you know? <laughs> he's, he's a tough guy, but... um. No, it's and it's still impressive by today's standards what oh, they did yeah. in that film. Because, you know, again, no CGI, it's completely puppeteered. And or is that a word puppeteered? They're puppeteering the uh, Audrey too, and uh, the original. While still impressive, I guess for what they could do in the '60s, a lot of the times the mouth didn't even match when Audrey Jr. was speaking. <laughs> Sometimes the mouth would move and nothing would come out, and then the mouth would stop moving, and then Audrey would be speaking. It's like you couldn't even sync up the voice a little bit better i mean i know we rushed production here but come on come on let's like come on corman let's just uh just move that voice over a little earlier so it matches the mouth moving 
Yeah, you know, it wasn't really their priority at the time. No. The one aspect I, I guess that I thought was interesting for the original one was the whole hypnotism thing. I thought that was strange. That was interesting, yeah. It kind of creates a dynamic. I'll say I'll say this that um because we're talking about Audrey and we can Audrey Jr., which again I do like I think Audrey Jr. is funnier than Audrey too. <laughs> like to name something Jr. after the uh the mom. I thought <laughs> I thought that shit was hilarious. But um Audrey Jr. in that moment made Seymour do something. But a lot of a lot of it was Seymour sort of making these choices on his own. Um the hypnotism I think kind of took away some I mean clearly took away some of Seymour's agency in what was happening, which makes sort of the end for Seymour um more tragic. In the remake, they really do shy away from uh Rick Moranis's Seymour really initiating the deaths, you know, like it all is kind of like circumstantial. Like he's not really the one quote unquote pulling the trigger. Yeah. Um in those scenes. And Audrey two is just more um more bombastic has more personality and that's how he does does influence like it's it's more like the personality can convince you to try to do something you normally wouldn't do yeah and you know preyed on seymour's weaknesses exactly the stronger mind convincing the weaker mind to do things absolutely we're already doing like to take it to a level where you're getting sleepy you know? <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a little uh i thought that was strange it was strange and it didn't help uh, the way Seymour acted after he was hypnotized, too. His b- behavior was just... Bizarre. I guess, what well, yeah, it was bizarre and what we know about hypnosis and, <laughs> I guess, the science of hypnosis, if you could say that, and just how it works and everything. It's just, it didn't okay. quite work. It was yeah. it was pretty awkward and, uh, yeah, I, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. I one pussy hooker. <laughs> 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 we'll talk about her death and everything a little bit more. Um <laughs> when we talk about the unique deaths yeah overall gotta give it's, it to audrey too it's not, even close. It's not <laughs> even close it's like still so impressive and the way they filmed it was i was reading it and frank oz obviously famous for puppeteering yoda in uh what was it star wars is that you ever heard of that empire strikes Back? Um. <laughs> and um no the way they got audrey too to move like so quick and like naturally is they they just filmed at half speed Audrey 2 would just say the lines and it would be slower. And then when they sped it up, it would look like Audrey 2 is moving so fast. So it's hats off to everybody who worked on the movements of Audrey 2 because it still stands up today. Good job. Yeah, because I was watching it and to your point, I never really made a mental note to myself to like, this looks crappy. You know, like yeah. a lot of times with like CGI, even recent CGI, oh, yeah. some of these remakes, you're just like, uh, gross. Yeah. I didn't really think about it, like, about the character. I was like, wow, this looks good. And that was it. Whereas, like, I, you could be watching something like Game of Thrones, and then you watch an early enough <laughs> season, you're like, and that direwolf doesn't look right. You know, somehow yeah. they pulled off this um, amazing puppet, and, you know, it was worth the investment. Absolutely. Yeah, I had to remind myself, like, that's not really a plant talking. There's people, <laughs> there's a lot of people working to make that puppet move, so that I think a man is really talking to a plant. It's one of the most most impressive puppeteering performances I've ever seen in a movie. All right, so Audrey 2 gets the edge there is what it sounds like. Let's go on to another character that was in both movies. I'm going to go to the dentist. 
Let's talk about the dentist. I'm glad that we're at this point. <laughs> we can kind of complete the circle on Audrey here also. So we have in the original John Herman Shaner as the dentist. And in the remake, we have, of course, Steve Martin. Uh, I'm just, spoiler alert, Steve Martin kicks ass as the dentist in this movie. Man, does he. <laughs> oh my god. I couldn't stop smiling every time he was on screen. It was just watching him chew up the scenery at this kind of Elvisy dentist who loves inflicting pain on patients. It was a phenomenal performance by Steve Martin. Yeah, and when you talk about um, the music in the film, I mean, besides Little, Little Shop of Horrors, which, um, like you mentioned, even though I'd never seen the films, instantly recognize that. Thought it was great. Yeah, zombie dentist. <laughs> and that's such a funny song. Yeah, it's great. That, that is like the height of <laughs> musical comedy, in my opinion, because it's it's just the character. He's he's a complete sadist. Yeah. <laughs> and like his, his mom's like you know in this in the music in the song is like noticing that. Yeah, he's like he's, torturing animals or something. <laughs> he's nuts. Borderline and, serial killer behavior. Completely. <laughs> And to have like the his mother be like, you know what you should do, you should be a dentist. <laughs> just brings it over it's, the top. Brings it over. It's the, top. the funniest dentist joke outside of a uh, Seinfeld. Yeah, <laughs> outside of a stickle of fluoride. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that song is great. I, I had no problem with the length of that song. Oh no, no, because <laughs> again, it was one of those more visually interesting things happening during the music right it was amazingly choreographed especially when he first walks in and like just takes off his badass motorcycle leather jacket and then you see that he's actually a dentist and then just like everything that's happening in that waiting room is just so interesting to watch you know and again this scene actually shows you the strength of doing the comedy as a musical yes absolutely. you can't punch out a nurse and have it be funny unless it's in the context of musical choreography yeah, it worked 100%. <laughs> that was uh, an improv by Steve Martin, or a suggestion by him, at least. Well, he's a comedic genius, so it, <laughs> it makes sense. The whole thing, I mean, the, the, the lyrics, the choreography, now spit, like, the whole, like, it's, <laughs> it's a great song. It's an awesome character, and it takes a character who, by normal standards, would have no redeeming qualities. Like, we're talking about yeah. a guy who beats up his <laughs> yeah, regularly, and we're like, he's my favorite guy. <laughs> No. <laughs> like, like again just the power of a musical yeah <laughs> one of the i gotta say this one of my favorite character introductions in a movie i've ever seen in a long time oh, was yeah. <laughs> hands down oh yeah like like you said like i i could feel myself smiling yeah like, yeah yeah right <laughs> i was like this is awesome more of this please steve martin perfectly cast perfect. as the dentist and then we have the original, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, there, there was an original dentist. We did watch another dentist, didn't we? <laughs> John Herman Shaner uh, tried, obviously not given as much depth or as much to do as Steve Martin. He didn't have an amazing musical number. He didn't have an intro. He didn't have anything. All he did was torture. I think we only saw him torture the one patient, maybe two. He doesn't really have anything to do in the mm -hmm. original and like we said in the remake he's not only this terrible person but he's also dating audrey in the right. remake. he does not have a relationship with her at all in the original the only sort of tension or issue in the original is that seymour kind of messed up his plans he wants to inflict pain on seymour 
because his gardenias got messed up. But, <laughs> it's stupid. Um, just not, not obviously not nearly as important or fleshed out as in the remake. It's a comedy, though. I guess I could see that in the 60s. Oh, man, this guy is so angry over some flowers being messed up. So I I could see it working, but obviously the motivation to get rid of him in the remake is much stronger. Absolutely. I will say that, like you mentioned, we get to sort of complete the Aubrey arc by talking about the remake doctor, dentist, as it were. Um, the original... <laughs> no, 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 no. Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Still laughing. <laughs> Plus, he's saying it with this Elvis accent. Oh, it's it's great. <laughs> From like a musical standpoint, kind of reminds me of like the Meatloaf character and um. Oh yeah, and uh, Rocky Horror. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I was totally getting those vibes. Like, but he, I don't know. So it's just so freaking good. <laughs> Definitely one of the highlights of the movie. Absolutely, the original Doctor actually helps us kind of complete the Seymour arc because this is the first time. Where, yes, he says, you you know, it's kind of self-defense that the doctor made him do it. But we see Seymour actually take somebody out here. Oh, wait, and, but how does he do it? Isn't there a subtype of fight, Reggie? Yeah, they both get, like, little scalpel, scalpels <laughs> out. And they they have, like, a mini duel. <laughs> Were it little teeth drills or something? I wasn't exactly sure what they were fighting with. We didn't talk about this. We probably should have. Uh, the black and white element. Okay, right. Before we uh, get more into these characters, right. The original is in black and white. The remake isn't obviously in color, made in the 80s. They did colorize the original. And just for everybody listening, you watched the colorized version, and I watched the black and white. Right, which is why I think we didn't bring this up before, because I did watch it in color. To me, it looked like they took, which I don't even know why you'd have a scalpel. That's what it kind of looked like to me, but maybe, you're right, maybe it was a drill or something like that. A little ambiguous. The tool was very tiny. Which was what the joke was. Yeah. It's a, it's like, a comedy, huh? <laughs> you know, funny stuff. But um, it actually reminded me of something else I liked about the remake, which is going to happen a lot when we're talking about the Doctor character here. You, you, but you do see in the original Seymour um, actually stab the Doctor. He does that consciously. There's no ambiguity there. He now has truly has blood in his hands more so than before. And I think it changes the dynamic between the two films as to sort of who Seymour is as a person. Although that did just remind me that in the remake, uh, Steve Martin's tools are uh, antiques and very dull, which I thought was funny as well. Just I'm always going to find something fun that I like about that Steve Martin. Um, <laughs> it is. It's great. Yeah, so you have Seymour actually kill in the original, and in the remake, Steve Martin sort of commits suicide because... <laughs> He needs laughing gas to perform on the Seymour in the remake. So it's like, okay, you could, you're still sort of on Seymour's side, I guess, at that point, because he's not killing anybody. He's just bringing bodies. Right. I, I think that was very likely a conscious choice for yeah. the remake. Yeah, you want to make Seymour as likable as possible, especially if you're going to, if you want the audience rooting for both him and Audrey to not only right. succeed, but to get together. Yeah. Right. So even though he may have. Went there with the intention of killing. Um, you kind of know that that Seymour isn't actually capable of that. Yeah, which again, the remake got pretty dark because, like, all of a sudden, Seymour in the remake just has a gun, and it's like, especially living in America today, you know, with our gun violence issues, it's like, yeah. wow, <laughs> he's he just has a gun out of nowhere, uh, just like uh, 
Mr. Mushnik had a gun out of nowhere in the remake. So a lot of random guns in the remake. A lot, a lot of random guns for, for some reason. Two different, two different um, portrayals. Again, that sort of shows you how, how much personality the Steve Martin character has. That it, it, you know, we're talking about his relation to a bunch of different characters and how he affects the film itself, um, whether it's Audrey's motivation or Seymour's motivation. Um, in the original, it didn't really have much to do with the motivation, but we did see how far Seymour could take it. Clearly, we know who we think is the better doctor. Yeah. In his case. Hands down. Obviously, The Edge to Steve Martin. Even if you just don't want to watch either movie, uh, anybody that's listening, just watch Steve Martin's musical number. It's a delight. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Also, not only do we have two dentists or in each movie, or a dentist in each movie, but we also have very famous patients to each of the dentists. And I would just want to go into them just because of who plays each of the patients in each movie they're, and they both play the same character but they're they have different names in each film so we have enthusiastic patient wilbur force in the original portrayed by jack nicholson and then in the remake we have arthur denton portrayed by bill murray both kind of out of nowhere cameos in the mo- their respective movies. Okay. So I, I don't know if we need to necessarily compare them or if we just want to talk about like, oh my God, <laughs> look who's in these movies. Yes, it's pretty much, oh my God, look who's in these movies. <laughs> They're, like you said, two different names, but effectively the same character. Yeah. It's kind of the foil here. It's it's the guy who actually likes pain. Right. So it, you've got the sadist and now you have the masochist. <laughs> Between the arc and they, Ro- rock Kathy, and a movable object, or right, an unstoppable force and a movable object, right? Here we go. Which one's gonna win out? Exactly. In the original, the Jack Nicholson character who enjoys pain, but we do get to see a different, um, a different character actually performing surgeries or you know dental work on them. Right, because so at this point in the original, Seymour's already killed the dentist, so he's the one actually doing the dental work on Jack Nicholson. Which um, doesn't change much about the the joke of the scene, of, like yeah. liking pain, but it does sort of change the dynamic uh, when we're talking about comparing the two films. Oh, shit, did we talk about how exactly the dentist died in the original? They got into a duel and he killed him. I mean, that's... but he just kind of died. Like in the version I saw, the black and white one, I didn't really see uh, the the fatal blow. I suppose. Yeah, so, you don't really see it. You don't really see it. He just hits him with the drill slash scalpel and he dies. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Okay. So, again, <laughs> it's a comedy. You're just supposed to go with it because they had this ridiculous thing that was like a play on a sword fight. And then one of them got hit with the quote unquote sword and the other guy died. Okay. Yep. Comedy. Okay. Comedy. <laughs> anyway, so like you said, Seymour um, is performing on Jack Nicholson who... Is definitely playing a role you're probably not familiar with Jack playing, just this really enthusiastic kind of go-getter that, like you said, is kind of this uh, guy who loves pain. And then we got Bill Murray in the remake, and uh, pretty much playing the same role, just like, yeah, I need I need a long, hard drill or something, Doctor. <laughs> but it is not Seymour in the remake who performs the surgery. It is our famous dentist, and he just gets so fed up with him that he's not running out of the the surgery like these other patients so he just gets fed up with them and just kicks him out 
just you know again small sort of cameo roles funny beat though you know in, in both films yeah very funny beat i think it's it, it like really works too because like i know jack nicholson's like, oh it's jack nicholson but like bill murray and like in sort of the zeitgeist of our culture is just he's pretty up there too right now so just to have these really famous guys which are much more famous now than they were then even though Bill Murray did it after Ghostbusters, I still feel like he's done so many more movies to like really grow in his following. So it's pretty cool to see these two huge actors do this really small cameo in a movie that you probably would never see them do again. No, I completely, completely agree. For both of them, um, as we know them in the zeitgeist now, in such a small scene, relatively it would be so funny, you know, and such a memorable part of the movie. It's a cool dynamic, and I'm glad that it, sort of played out like that in both films yeah and they both live so hey <laughs> they both live and uh one lived long enough to piss off steve Mar- steve martin <laughs> like just him being like get out of here you're sick you know <laughs> again it's funny so do we want to maybe discuss the endings that's another huge difference in both films yeah i think um i think we, we've hit that okay. point so we'll probably get in more depth at the remake since the remake has sort of two different endings but i'll just do a brief synopsis on both endings so in the original seymour's kind of fed up with what audrey jr's been doing and uh decides to take matters into his own hands and you just see him kind of go into audrey with an axe and you don't exactly know what's happened you just know that they're going to have a fight and then later audrey and who shows who's with audrey at that point is his mom the mom, yeah, Audrey and the mom. Audrey and the mom, okay. So they both show up to the shop, and they see that this is something unique to the original, is that the faces of all the victims show up on, like, flowers of the Audrey Jr., and you could see their faces perfectly, and you can see Seymour's face among them. So Seymour lost that battle. He went in there with an axe with good intentions to destroy Audrey Jr. And uh, his plans failed. And he's now part of the plan. What makes that ending interesting in the original is that uh, at this point, because, as you mentioned, you see the faces in the plants. When it was supposed to be sort of Seymour's big moment, he was going to get a trophy and his life was going to change, presumably for the better. It's discovered the dark things that he's done. Like you see the face of... uh, of all these characters that have died, whether it's the random dude at the train tracks or, <laughs> or um, the dentist or the random uh, hooker that was trying to, <laughs> you know, all these random people that he killed for dubious reasons are shown. And he, he's basically his life's over. Like he's on the run from the law and he goes back when he can and tries to take Audrey Jr. out with the axe. And like you mentioned, he loses and you get that that kind of creepy moment at the end where you see his face in the buds and he's like i forget his exact word but he's like apologize yeah like, i was almost just gonna say he's gonna say i'm sorry or something i'll say this because that is unique to the film the effect may not have been done to the level that you see it today but that's creepy as hell man oh yeah that is <laughs> dark stuff man it does it is pretty dark yeah i i totally forgot to mention that like he was exposed in front of the flower unveiling ceremony and the cops chased him but yeah that's an interesting way for a comedy to end it's such a dark note like that where your main protagonist is not only dead but like sort of imprisoned in a plant for the rest of his life yeah (laughs) it's such a downer ending to what was mostly just 
kind of like a, a romp, you know? It was yeah. just like, all right, goofy things happening here, goofy thing happening there. I guess for audiences, you may accept it because this Seymour kind of crossed the line. You know, I still ultimately think he's um, he's a victim, more or less, than um, than a bad guy. But he's done enough, I guess, bad on his own that maybe that ending is more acceptable than in the remake, where I don't think you could do the same thing at all. I think maybe it's supposed to play against expectations, where you see him going in the plant with the axe, and you expect when they walk in that he's going to be standing over this destroyed plant, but instead he gets eaten. Yuck, yuck. He didn't do yeah. it. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I assume they're just doing. A lot of... You expect this to happen because it happened in these other movies that you've seen before, but nope. This is... Our hero is dead. Huh? And fade. <laughs> and fade. And as opposed to the ending we have in the remake, which I'll discuss the theatrical ending, which is... But they changed it to after the original. Anyway, um, so Seymour, again, goes to confront the plant, wants to get rid of it because the plant actually calls up Audrey, who Seymour proclaimed his love for, and they were going to get married. And Audrey goes over, and the plant starts eating Audrey. And Seymour walks in just at the right moment and is able to pull her out. And then yep. there's a huge fight. Pretty good special effects again. Like, especially when those uh, the stems from the plant were like, just going into the walls at different yeah. points. That was, that was pretty cool. And it's popping up through the floors. Really good special effects. And uh, you see the axe... I think that was a nod to the original. So you, mm-hmm. if you've seen the original, you think, oh, Seymour's going to get the axe. But Seymour does not get the axe. Audrey 2 destroys more of the shop. A lot of the shop collapses. And there's these exposed electrical wires. So Seymour takes the electrical wires and electrocutes the Audrey 2, who also has like little tiny Audrey's singing along because it's of course it's to a musical number which is great and ultimately seymour succeeds audrey too dies and then audrey and seymour live happily ever after in her fairy tale dream with a little caveat because there is another audrey too in their garden at the very end so the more happy ending where you actually see our protagonist live together but there is danger in their future because they have one of the plants with them i think maybe i I should jump into kind of what the original ending was going to be okay yeah go ahead but the original for the remake you mean yeah just for the um the audience the cut that i watched was not the theatrical cut so you know a lot of what you're describing I, i remember seeing elements of it but um you know that ending is completely different than um what i ultimately ended up seeing because i had more of a director's cut and I just want to say before you go into that, the reason they changed it is because they did a, a test screening, and apparently you need like fifty-five percent approval uh, for the studio to make the movie. And I think with that original ending, which you're about to describe, they only got like fifteen percent. It was like it was like thirteen. It was it was pretty low. So they had it wasn't the ending that Frank Oz and company wanted. It's not. It wasn't creatively satisfying for them to do the theatrical ending, but. That's what the studio and the crowd wanted back then. So yeah. go on, describe it for the folks. Uh, absolutely. You you kind of pick up in the same spot where Audrey too has called Audrey and she's gone down to the shop. And you get the same thing where it's like mid um, sort of getting eaten, Seymour discovers him. I think in this case, he actually does use the axe to actually free her from the plant. It actually fed back into the humor of the film 
because he's able to free Audrey from the plant. But then, like, she's just kind of sitting there. And she looks fine. But she's like, I'll surely die soon. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, it's so funny. She you know? says that? Yeah, basically, like, she's, like, sitting there. And she looks, like, fine. Like, you know, maybe, like, someone that just fainted or something. And she's just laying there. And she's like, you know, see where I can tell. I'm just, you know, it's, it's almost over for me. I'll, I'm surely good. Which is, you know, again, you know, for what would be a sad scene, it was actually pretty funny. Like, the humor there was really, really good. And then she basically sacrificed herself. She's like, although I'm dying, like, this wasn't part of the plan. Maybe you should feed me to the plant. Because, like, that's ultimately what the plan wanted, was to be fed. And, like, I could still be part of your plan. I could still be with you in that way because she'll help him get, get more fame and more money and let him live a better life. It sort of solidifies their arc in a sort of tragic way, which is uh, cute. <laughs> um, but then the plant, um, Seymour goes after the plant. He's like, basically like, screw you, buddy. He's going to finish the job and the plant eats him. Yeah. What may not have been in the, um, in the theatrical version. I don't think that you had the scene where the guy from the beginning, the kind of chipper guy that says, wow, it's an interesting plant. Oh, um, Christopher Guest, <laughs> famous, uh, director, actor, Christopher Guest. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, <laughs> And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think in the theatrical version you have a scene towards the end with him. And um, no, he's not in the end at all. So, in the director's cut, after you know the plant sort of like kind of like eats his girlfriend, he, we haven't really got to the part where he's trying to like kill the plant. The guy like reveals that he has he's taken a sample from Audrey Two and made his own Audrey Twos, and he's like a marketing guy. So he's like, we're gonna get these in every household in America. Rick Moranis realizes that. Um, the plant's evil in that the plan all along was to like basically spread itself out and like take over the planet more or less. So that Seymour is trying to stop that plan and he dies um, while that happens. And then ultimately all of these Audrey twos get sold across America and they basically take over. (laughs) It's, it's literally melee. Like the the plants take over like New York city. You see giant Audrey twos, like crushing buildings and terrorizing people and stuff like that. It, it, it's a very, very, again, for for such a dark se- scene, it's a very fun scene. Hmm. Because um, the song basically is uh, subsequent to the events you just witnessed, was how the song goes, basically. Uh, after Rick Moranis' uh, character dies, it's like, subsequent to the events that you just witnessed. And they explain how the Audrey plants populated the planet and like took shit over. It, hmm. it was it's incredible. But I could see artists at the time being sad because, you know, hey, I thought those two were going to get together and not die and have, like, all of New York get destroyed by giant plants. But it's a pretty kick-ass ending, in my opinion. Hmm. So do you think, in your opinion of the remake, which ending do you like more? I think, and again, this is, again, without me seeing what happened, uh, just hearing what you described, it sounds like you actually had a pretty fun musical number there that I didn't get to see. That's where he explains that uh, he's from. He's an alien. That's where you first hear the admittance. Like, oh, I'm an alien. Okay, so that's kind of how they reveal he's an alien as opposed to in the other one, Seymour realizes that this guy that's trying to like basically get rich off of selling more Audrey 2s, he's realizing that that was Audrey 2's plan the whole time. Hmm. That's how he finds out it's an alien. There's a whole song sequence with that too. But um, no, I mean, from what I saw in... <clears throat> tone of the movie i'm assuming that the director's cut just based on your description i'm assuming the director's cut is the much more interesting hmm. ending and i think it fits the film more that makes you know? sense to me and it obviously fits the original more 
because your CMR is dead. The original ending is based off the the off-Broadway musical. That's why they filmed it, because that's what the off-Broadway musical did. So they had to redo their own. So what you see in the theaters was not what you would have seen off-Broadway. Staying true to the original sort of subject, staying true to the tone of the original film as well, where the original film, you have this dark kind of tragic ending. And in this film, you do still have the same dark tragic ending, but there's so much comedy in this like truly horrible thing that's happening. Like aliens have invaded all of Earth. <laughs> and, um, there's giant plants destroying New York City and eating people. And like there's explosions and just it's a pretty long sequence, too. Like they really get into the uh, the New York destruction. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, like, it, if there is a message to the film, I think that it's captured more in uh, the ending that the director intended. It's a lot of fun. And it just more camp in a film that's very campy. Again, it's also more true to the original. I wouldn't mind if they had kept You might want to check ending. it out. Yeah, yeah, I definitely will after this. Just, uh, I'm sure I could check it out on YouTube somewhere. Yeah, and I, I'm going to check out the the ending that you described because, um, again, you know, there, there's this sort of sappy part of me that likes the fact that it ends well for them. But of course, um, of course. at the same time, like I wasn't that invested in the characters and yeah. I thought like kind of the star of the film is the plant. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, you know, like that was the plan. The plant, even in the beginning of the film it describes like where the plant came from and you know, yeah, it's makes sense to me. It makes sense that the plants plan succeeded, especially if you had like, Seymour and uh, Mr. McCainish and stuff as his adversaries, of course the plant won. Yeah. And I think, again, it's less cliche that that original director's ending, because just like the original movie, like we said, like, oh, Seymour's got his big moment. He's got the axe. He's going to kill the plant. No, he died and becomes part of the plant. It would have been, again, more in line with the original if they had gone with the, now Audrey 2 has taken over the entire world. It would have been a bold move. And I think, in general, I just would enjoy it, because as opposed to the cliche ending of, like, oh, they live happily ever after. I mean, it's not exactly happily ever after, because there is, like, still an Audrey 2 in their garden. I feel like they probably had to fight for it. Like, they can't just be happy. They have to have, there has to be some sense of danger here. We need to play on the typical happy ending somehow. Yeah, I, I kind of feel for Frank Oz, like, yeah, this. I wish we could stuck with the original ending. When you are talking about remake territory and... You know, you can't always get what you want when you're talking about trying to release a Hollywood film, especially yeah. um, 80s blockbusters were huge. And you got to play the audience there because that wasn't wasn't like an indie film. A lot of money and investment went no. into it. It was and, pretty. Uh, it was. I think it was one of the most high budget films for that studio at the time. Makes sense. So if you're testing it and what was otherwise probably testing really well until the ending. No, like, ex exactly. It was testing completely well until that ending came, and then everybody's like, I don't know if I'd recommend it to people. Yeah, you, you make the tough choices. I'm glad that I got to see sort of what they intended, but for us to even be sitting here talking about the film, there's got to be some commercial viability. So yeah, although movies are art, they're also a business, and I get it. Just going back to the comparisons of the two endings, I guess I'm going to compare the theatrical ending to the originals that, that's, i yeah. think that's the fairest way to do this yeah which one would i prefer it's funny because the characters are so different so i don't mind the original seymour getting devoured and becoming part of the plant while in the remake yeah i kind of do like 
Seymour and Audrey ending up together just because of the time we spent with those characters and seeing that they did want to be together. So it's the cliche Hollywood ending. So I kind of like both endings because of the way I felt about the characters and their separate movies, if that makes any sense. No, I think that um, I think that totally makes sense to me because uh, we, we spoke about it a bit during our comparisons. The small tweaks make them different films. Of course, you're you're more okay with a Seymour that yes, naive, yes, innocent, but not that innocent because you know he made the choice to kind of keep going out, and there were there were more deaths, which I think is a big difference. So he had more opportunities to do what he did, whether sometimes it was accidental or not. He's got multiple bodies under his count, so <laughs> for him to not in sort of you reap what you sow, whereas that that totally doesn't work. In the remake with the like you said that theatrical ending makes sense for the arc that you're going through with those characters now i like the cr- kind of crazy director's ending but i like because of the effect it wasn't really had anything to do with the the story or anything i just like right. oh shit they, they got a giant plant like destroying new york that's a crazy way to end a movie <laughs> i think that that theatrical ending for an audience especially one that paid hard earned american cash yeah it makes sense it's you know definitely yeah, it definitely makes sense, especially since you gave so much time to those characters, like we said before, the musical numbers, right? They both had songs about how they want to be together or like about their futures. It's like, wait, you made me spend all this time with these characters and they're not going to end up together? I could see an audience being upset over that. Especially, I mean, at the time, it wasn't like we, we're not in like the era of the gritty remake. You know? Right, we're, yeah. This is fluff, like early blockbusters when movies really started doing that, that bring the whole family down, you know? <laughs> Again, I like... The crazy ending, but you know, I also like, like you said, I like what you're describing. It sounds fine. Yeah. There's still that element of uh, of danger there, but like everyone gets what they want. I could see it being a little too dark. Yeah, it's Rick Moranis for Christ's sake, right? <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. he, <laughs> you know, he's he's harmless. We don't got to kill him, <laughs> right? Just from there, let's let's go on to the victims because you had mentioned them a few times, uh, even just describing the ending. So both of our movies had different victims that they fed to their respected audrey plants um the original got a homeless guy a criminal uh i guess a prostitute (laughs) and the dentist while our remake only had the dentist and mr mushnick depending on what cut you saw um, oh and and, maybe seymour and audrey too (laughs) again depending on what cut you saw (laughs) what do you think I guess about the decision because I'm reading the list of the victims in the original. Mm. They're pretty much they were only on screen to die. They weren't important characters, as opposed to the remake where you know our dentist died in both, but Mr. Mushnick, which we kind of had gripes with anyway. Right. I'll, I'll let you start. What do you think about our victims? I think they're um, they're not of much consequence, um, unfortunately. You know, um, in terms of uh, the film because. We'll recall that the dentist in the original film is certainly not important. He's also a side character that's really just there to die as well. He's much more fleshed out in the remake. I felt that um, the circumstances of Seymour discovering this horrible truth about the plant are just far more accidental at the beginning of the original film. Like he finds himself, you know, trying to figure out what to do about his job. He's like tossing very big rocks around. And accidentally hitting people in the head. And, um, you know, he accidentally kills a guy. He doesn't know what to do with the body. And he's like, he's getting put into this strange... Can we talk about that death scene? 
because sure. that was uh we could talk about all the death scenes in the original because they were all like oh he died from that i mean obviously the homeless guy he, he threw a rock he was trying to hit a bottle he hit the homeless guy and then the homeless guy was stumbling around and then threw himself in front of a train as yep. you do um when you get hit by a rock <laughs> so okay i that was stupid but i can get on board with that okay because obviously he got hit by a train makes sense and then we have the criminal who died he was robbing the shop while mr mushnick was in there he kind of died the same way mushnick did in the remake coercing him to get closer to the plant which is what happened in both films so the criminal thought there was money in there in the original and in the remake mushnick thought that the, um i don't know he was just being tricked by seymour and then we have the girl and the dentist we already talked about the dentist's death so we're going to talk about um the prostitute yeah so, and again a rock yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> first of all, that scene is far too long. Yeah. So, I mean, Seymour's, at this point, he's hypnotized, and he's trying to find another body for the Audrey Jr., and yeah. this prostitute keeps showing up way ahead of Seymour. Like, she shouldn't she shouldn't be there in any reality. Like, she's just mysteriously she's popping so up. very aggressive. Yeah. Which, I guess, is funny for a comedy. Possibly. <laughs> and ultimately he throws a rock just straight up in the air it happens to land on her head and she dies yeah i think um there's some humor there because you know he's making kind of fun of that she's she's kind of skinny and like there's this like joke about you know master or, wants lots of know, fat or something. yeah audrey like you know ha, ha ha i get it she's skinny which is she was fat for eating blah 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 then like, for her to be like, oh, flip a coin. He's like, I don't have a coin. And for him to, like, spit on a rock and then say, hey, wet side or dry side, throw it up in the air and then have it land on her head, it's preposterous. It's not good. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work today. I'll say that. Too many, too many rocks, you know? My too many opinion. rocks. We already had a rock at the homeless guy. We can't do rock and rock. Come on. Like you mentioned, her even being there and, like, the amount, like, how aggressive she is with him, and, you know, I just thought that it was, thought it was strange. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like at one point she like throws a banana peel on the ground. He slips on it. He actually it. slips on it like a cartoon. Yeah. He's, he's like <laughs> running into things like the scene. Like I get it. He's hypnotized. And maybe at the time that was like funnier because like the idea of hypnotism was different, I guess, at the time. But like it just it felt flat and unnecessary to have that additional. It story. definitely felt like sort of childish cartoon humor. Like, oh, he's going to slip on a banana peel. Right. And oh, he's hypnotized. That's why it's definitely like some old school child cartoon humor going on during that scene where him and the girl are meeting each other. Yeah. Which I guess also introduces to the concept of um, Seymour knows more about the plant in the first film because he sort of created it. He's cross pollinating. So, you know, he's talking about being his fly traps and apparently they only need to eat like three times become fully grown so you know there's this element of how many times will this plant eat people mr mushnick's in on it so he knows that like people are dying he's nervous about the consequences but you know he's assuming that it's more or less safe because the plant is fed like i don't know just it seemed like just another body to add for this like concept that they wrote themselves that it had to eat three times like could have been two times it could have been none you know like it just didn't make a lot of sense yeah so that's a I'm looking at the list. It's a total of four victims in the original, right. and then we got only two in the remake. And, yeah, it definitely seems like they 
did well by consolidating in the remake. He didn't need that many victims. And, you know, in the remake, they picked their spots. You know, I think we kind of agree that the Mushnick aspect was a little overdone. Like, the turn just happened a little too quick for him to be, like, bad enough to be killed by the plant for, uh, you know, the theater audience standards. But, you know, they did a lot of good framing of why the dentist should have been out of there. So it was good to consolidate. But then you also kind of have this element of the plant didn't get a chance to do a lot, you know, depending on what cuts you saw. You know, it's a scary, dangerous plant, but uh, you know how dangerous and scary it is in the original a little more so, I think. Um, the remake, the plant's actually more fun than horrific <laughs> for the most part. I guess I could see where the uh, theatrical ending can kind of take away from the villainy or impending doom from the Audrey 2, yeah. Interesting. Because, yeah, only two victims and a little bit of Seymour's blood. And these two victims in the remake, while maybe Mr. Mushnick is okay, obviously the dentist beating his woman, inflicting mm -hmm. pain on people for fun. Mr. Mushnick may be a question mark because he never really did anything that bad, but he does want money. So I guess the blackmailing aspect could sort of justify his death. I think that's what they're going for yeah. there. Again... Um, just going back to the alternate ending, because like I believe they killed Mr. Mushnik there. So when you saw Audrey and Seymour die at the end, you wouldn't be as surprised. That's why I think they killed him. It's like if two of the people in the shop are dead at the end, you might as well have the other guy who works in the shop dead too. So it's also it's nice and balanced in that aspect. But yeah, his his death makes less sense with the original ending. Is what I'm trying to say in the I, remake. I, I would agree. I would agree on that. It does make less sense, I guess, to an extent. You, in either ending, I guess you do have it sort of, sort of the original deaths consolidated into the little shop of horrors. You know, mm -hmm. like people that work in the shop um, are the ones that are the initial victims. But uh, yeah, now the Mushnik death just feels a little forced, um, depending on you know what you're watching. It, it works in the remake because. They wisely consolidate characters yeah. as well as deaths. We don't need the two co-eds who are doing the parade for the Rose Garden, which never happens. You know, you introduce that concept, but it doesn't happen because of the events of the movie. You still have the people that are there to kind of, like, validate him, give him, like, the awards for the plants. But, um, you know, there's, just, there's less people in every scene. And I think when you when you remove characters like that, you're going to have less characters to play your victims, and they pick victims victims that they could make bad enough for an audience to accept it the characters dying look at the original again like three of the victims are the homeless guy the criminal and the girl they only show up right before they die right so there's no weight in their deaths they're just kind of these randoms that just show up just to die so it's kind of pointless and then in the remake you do have people we've already met who die so there's a lot more weight to their deaths as opposed to the original which, again, I know it's a comedy, but establish characters first and then kill them. I, I like that rule. I agree. You know, sometimes you're not going to capture it in one song. You know, <laughs> you're going to have to flesh them out a little bit more. Yeah. So you, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but let's go into uh, just some of the characters that are exclusive to each film. Because not every character made the cut, I suppose. We, we talked about her a little bit, but in the original, Seymour has a mom that he lives with. He, right. does, he does not live with his mom in the remake. I believe he lives in the basement of the flower shop. Right. He he has sort of like um kind of like a tragic upbringing. Yeah, Mr. Mushnick took him in. So yeah, there's a different 
different aspect to it. It makes sense because the mother character doesn't really do much. I think she's supposed to be funny in the original because she's like constantly sick. But what makes her feel better, Reggie? Oh, booze. Booze. <laughs> booze. Yeah. That's funny. His mom's an alcoholic. It's it's funny and it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what makes it funny, that it's true. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I don't think that we need a character that's constantly, you know, pretending to be sick. No. So that she can get more booze. Like it just doesn't add much to the film. And it actually takes away from the Seymour Audrey romance in the original because she hates Audrey and it she's trying to push her son away from Audrey and trying to get him to like go out and like sow his oats and stuff. It's a little weird to be honest. Yeah. And I, I, good cut in my opinion. Yeah, I agree too. It doesn't add anything to Seymour because nothing he does in the original, like none of his motivations are to help his mother, right? Mm. She's just there and he kind of has to deal with her. And we as an audience have to deal with her. Oh yeah, and- we have to deal. <laughs> yes we do uh so we have to deal with her like um when he brings her that the booze we have to deal with her when he's on a date with audrey she's kind of a one-note character because once she's drunk she's just a drunk mom and she doesn't like i said she doesn't bring any depth to seymour so i think another smart cut we didn't need her at all in the remake in addition to mom who we're missing we're also missing our i have him in my notes as the flower eating guy uh, portrayed by Dick Miller. Let me look up his real name here. Burson Fouch. So Burson Fouch, portrayed by Dick Miller, just this random flower-eating enthusiast who's eaten apparently in flower shops all over the world. And he's, I guess, important in the original because he convinces Mr. Mushnick to, yeah, uh, show Seymour's uh, plant because hey, I've eaten all in flower shops all over the world. And I tell you, the ones that have the unique plants, uh, they get the most people. That was sort of his contribution, his only contribution, really, to the film. Really? Other than, yeah. like, putting salt or pepper on flowers. Yeah, that aspect we'll kind of ignore. But, yeah, he, he is, um, unlike in the remake where Audrey is the one that says, hey, Seymour's got this interesting plant. You've got this guy who's... No, she says out. it in the original, too. Oh, but, but it was uh, after he said it that Mushnick agreed to do it. Yeah, you're right, because when, um, when she... When she says it, the guy, you're right, he reinforces that. Yeah. No, no, she's right. It would be interesting. I don't know why he's there. (laughs) He's there a lot. He is there a lot. He's he's there after Seymour goes home to get the plant and comes back. He's still there. It's it's pretty wild. And he's kind of a one-note character because all he's doing is eating plants. And then after you see it the first time, you're like, okay, I get it. But that's not the last time you're going to see it. You're going to see it a few more times in the movie. I like Dick Miller. Uh, not a character I miss. I guess he was just introduced to just show you that this is a wacky world we live in in the original. And uh, don't take anything too seriously because, hey, is the guy eating flowers? No, you've never seen anybody eating flowers, have you? Like I said, that's a major contribution. Um, reinforces some aspects of uh, of the importance of the plant. But other than that, not, not much to him. What would you say? I guess the equivalent would be kind of like a quick cut in a movie of someone saying, hey, interesting plant, in that weird 60s sort of way. But Oh, our Christopher Guest in the remake? <laughs> that yes. Uh, by the way, Christopher Guest, who I love. Uh, I love all his movies. Uh, just <laughs> I recognized him. It looks like Christopher Guest, but does not sound like Christopher Guest at all. I've never heard him talk like that. So I was laughing the whole time because I'm, I'm a Chris Guest fan. And uh, just to see him in this random cameo, uh, it was cracking me up. 
<laughs> so it was, it was really funny. Yeah, because because it was immediate. It was the setup was like, oh, what do you think? We're gonna put this plant in the window and people are gonna walk in. Hey, I just walked in because I saw that plant in the window. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's a beautifully set up. Um, always a fan of Christopher Guest. He's only in the remake, the theatrical cut in that scene, but he is in the ending of the director's cut. Yeah, there's a revelation that he um, he's basically into like marketing and sales and stuff like that, oh. and that he's taking it back to the boys in the lab. And they <laughs> more Audrey twos. It's gonna be a hit. It's gonna come off of every shelf in America. So he comes back into play, and that character that character does get another sort of fun important sequence in the film oh, so i, I kind of miss it then I, I really need to see the uh director's cut ending more chris guest yes sign me up absolutely absolutely but but you know like again just pointing at the remake takes a similar sort of character that does effectively all the same things right. and utilizes the screen time in a much more efficient way oh yeah absolutely because you don't see him anymore until i guess it's unnecessary. That, yeah because it is unnecessary <laughs> but you see the the guy who's eating flowers that's the film. He lives at that shop for all. I know. It's crazy. I think there's like one line where he talks about maybe trying to get like a interest in the shop, like, you know, buy into the shop in the original <laughs> film. But like even that, it's like, why are you still here? It doesn't go anywhere. So it's not even that important. I like yeah. Dick Miller, though. He's a good guy. Anyway, one other uh, character or characters in the original film are those two kind of I, I labeled them as groupies. We call them mm-hmm. the, co- the college girls from before. Seymour's yeah. kind of cheerleaders that like are in love with him. They need flowers for their float and everything. Again, I didn't really miss them in the remake. I completely forgot they were in the original when I was watching the remake. You know, less characters. I'm I'm able to invest more in our main characters. Unnecessary. Didn't didn't really need them. They're actually I think in the film they're like they're labeled as Shirley and Shirley's friend. That's how important. <laughs> and one other sort of side character that gets a lot of screen time. And who, again, is a one-note character, but fairly important in the early parts of the film. Miss Shiva, who's played by Leola Windorf. She does, she's not in the remake, but she does get a little cameo mention. I liked, I guess of all the side characters in the original, I liked hers the most. Because, like, every time she showed up in the shop, somebody was dead in her family. And it wasn't funny the first time, but I guess the third or fourth time a family member died. (laughs) Because it got ridiculous and got pretty funny. It funny. It's hard it's, to get yeah, she has the tie to the PI who gave us the voiceover in the beginning. Uh, we didn't even talk about the PI, but uh, he his son died apparently. Uh, what, what did he die of again? I forgot. While you're looking that up, the uh, the the PI he did have he did have a funny line towards the end of the movie where he's like, "No, we're starting to wrap up the investigation. Not that we knew who killed him, but we had to tell the chief something." And I thought that was a funny line. Um, <laughs> You know, d- didn't really do anything for me. I guess towards the end, it does help add to the, the tragedy because the cops are after him. But, like, I don't know. Like, the P.I., did we need him? Probably not. No, we didn't. It, I read on the Wikipedia that he's supposed to play a much bigger part, which makes a lot of sense for why his voiceover would start the movie, right? It's it's kind of this, this gumshoe. I was on this beat, and then I found about this weird case about a man-eating plant. And right. it doesn't really pay off at all (laughs) so um yeah kid died playing matches that's that's how he died (laughs) it's just funny it's like what did the cops say i don't exactly remember but hey that's what happens (laughs) or something like that something along those effects and it was all right frank stooley okay so the detective as much as the detective 
didn't really impact the script at all. The manner that he described his son's death, yeah, that happens. And then he he says that to his partner, and then he says it again to the woman who's his aunt later. So I, I was laughing at both of those beats just because, yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> My kid died <laughs> playing with matches. That's the thing. Like, um, the humor in the original film is in the absurd. Yeah. Um, you know, just. This woman who everyone in her family dies, like, yeah. all the time. And, like, that's the only reason that shop's still in business, more or less, at that point. You know, you got the detective who's kind of part of it, kind of not. But, like, yeah, the son died from matches. Like, he doesn't really care what happened because he's going to make up a story either way. Like, that stuff's funny. The mom being alcoholic, like, yeah, I get it. Like, th- these are their set piece funny moments. I don't know. That, that remake, though, some of the jokes, one, that you can do in song. Uh, Steve Martin being the clear-cut example, mm-hmm. and Audrey, Audrey too. Just some of the music with Audrey too is hilarious as well. Uh, you can see how much more room they have to flex with because the characters are actually fleshed out, even if you're doing it through music. So it it just gave it gave it a much more cohesive, funny feel to it that you don't quite get in the original. Everything seems to be sort of scattered and. Yeah. You know, random with it's funny, and it doesn't really. And the original doesn't pertain to our plot. It's just they're all sort of just side jokes, right? Yeah. And and the what the cops, uh, what the detective said was, oh, those are the breaks. That's what he kept saying every time uh, his dead son came up. Oh, those are the breaks. <laughs> and it was just his delivery was perfect on that, and it was one of my biggest laughs during the original. For sure, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the character, although like like you mentioned, it does make sense that he would have had a bigger part because. It was all set up for him to have a bigger part. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, I guess um, the remake has a character we don't have in the original, and that's John Candy uh, doing another cameo. And he's, I just have my notes as the radio guy. Let me try to see what his character name was. Okay, so John Candy made a cameo as Wink Wilkinson, a radio DJ. It wasn't a big part. It was a small little part. John Candy got to kind of yuck it up the way John Candy does. As a John Candy fan, I appreciate any cameo I can see John Candy in. Yeah, it, it was a it was a funny character. Um, it, it did add to sort of the reason why Seymour was getting more fame because he's on this radio show. He's mm-hmm. in the papers. Funny scene. Uh, you, you get the plant trying to like, bite the ass. <laughs> yeah, trying to lick the ass. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> pretty, pretty funny, you know. But um, I like I said, I appreciate the cameo. Does it really do much for the film? No, but I appreciate it. So it I, yeah, it doesn't help progress the story, but it, there's some funny beats in there to enjoy for sure. There's definitely, there's definitely enough funny beats for us to both enjoy. But like when he first sits down in front of Wink Wilkinson and he's like going to start talking, but like Wink's having a conversation with himself. <laughs> yeah, right. You're like oh, he's like, oh my god, we're gonna get shot here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know she was married. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. If you like John Candy, you're going to like this cameo. Don't that's worry a great about cameo. it. I, th- well, I think that's about it for all the characters. Are there any other characters we missed that are... No, and if we did, you know, they, they probably weren't very important. You know? <laughs> no, I think we, we hit all these sort of overarching, like, characters that mattered that even got lip service in the uh, the remake as well. Like you said, Miss Shiva yeah. is mentioned, though not pictured you know she's um, mentioned i remember his mushnick's like oh my her family members die all the time we need to get her her flowers so i appreciated that nod to the original absolutely we didn't but get no, a we didn't get a phone call oh this guy eats flowers all the time we need to get flowers for him we didn't get yeah. one of those no nah, we didn't need that <laughs> i found those characters to be ranging in necessity but they uh they were fun 
Yeah. All right. Um, unless you want to go over anything else, I believe we've covered everything. No, I think I think we we nailed the differences between doing a musical and a standard comedy. I think we we sort of nailed how the different characters and how they act, you know, change the film. I think I think we kind of nailed generally like the overview. All right, man. So let's go for the verdicts. Here we go, Reggie. Should this remake have been made? This remake should have been made. And one of the main reasons why is because it does forge its own path, like by going a different genre and really not necessarily being quite based on the first film, but more on the musical. It's fun, man. Some of that music is great. The set design, the way they design Audrey, too. It's incredible. I mean, like you mentioned, to this day, it still looks awesome. I liked a lot about it. I found it to be very funny. There were some moments where, you know, it was the slower songs that at times took me out of the film, but they were necessary for character development. I, I like the remake a lot, and I think that it should absolutely exist. So when I was watching the original, again, I watched the original black and white. I don't necessarily know if it was even like HD or anything, but like when I was watching it, a couple of things that I thought, what could the remake do to improve itself? It's like, you definitely need to improve just the way it's shot. Like I said before, because there is only just two cameras and it's, they're all sort of these panned out shots. It does kind of just look like uh, like a stage production. So I didn't really get this cinematic feel. And uh, another thing was, I didn't mention this at all during my review, but the audio. A lot of ADR that didn't sound good. Oh, yeah. yeah, we didn't even talk about that. But a lot of that just didn't match or didn't, didn't sound good. It sounded out of place. So I was like, as long as they're able to improve on those two areas and maybe make some updated jokes i feel like the remake will work well and they were able to do that and so much more again um as you said it's a musical comedy they added that element it gave itself its own identity the remake by making a music comedy a much welcomed addition and i think it works out really well again like you said it gives those characters more development they're able to have these solo moments to themselves where you're able to learn who they are their motivations then you root for them and i mean i've said it before but that the puppeteering on that audrey too just still holds up today i like the cast i love the cameos in the remake i don't think there's anything in that remake that i'm like eh, i don't think i should have done that i know i complained a little bit about the musical numbers being a little long but I think the remake did everything right. And this is a fine example of how you do a remake. I know it's not necessarily based on the original film. That's more off the off-Broadway play. But hey, whatever they did on the off-Broadway play, that it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So yeah, let's make a movie of that. And it works amazing. Great cast. Um, great characters. A much improved remake over the original source material so this is definitely one to watch one to check out and if anything just watch those steve martin scenes because they will have you smiling the whole time i guarantee what i think the film did the best was have its own identity yeah uh, agreed agreed a lot of times remakes were so you know married to the original material because it's an older film maybe there was less of that like uh if you'd for instance done like this 1986 film and then done something more recent today. Right. I think we'd have some of our usual remake issues, but um, 
no, they've they separated themselves from the source material in a way that hey, both things can exist. I got no problem with either one because they're they're doing their own thing. So mm-hmm. if you like the musical one, watch that. If you like just a straight up comedy, go watch that. It's a great idea to do your own thing with the material. And I think another thing that really helps the remake is just the amount of time they put into it. Like I said before, the original two and a half days to film. That's not a lot of time. It's Steve Martin scenes alone, six weeks just to get that. Okay. So you're going to get a much higher quality production out of the remake than you are from the original. I think the original is definitely worth checking out just because there are some jokes that do work that you won't see in the original. It's just because some of those characters have been cut. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, you see Jack Nicholson in his one of his earliest roles. But that remake, this is one of those rare remakes that just really goes miles above the original, in my opinion. I completely agree. I guess we're saying that this movie should have been made. Yes, absolutely. Uh, incredibly enjoyable, everything. Uh, even if you don't like musicals, I think the way they did it in the comedy form, it, 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 it'll play well. I should, should have mentioned that, that in general... I'm not really a musical guy. Well, me neither. No, not at no, all. I, I usually find it to be just a little too cheesy. Yeah, I can't, um, I like. I don't like Newsies at all. <laughs> like, I couldn't yeah. get into it. This one embraced the camp. I did feel the elements of Off-Broadway because it, it just reminded me of that, you know, that type of show mm-hmm. so much. And I think they, they embrace it while still keeping it, as you mentioned, still keeping it Hollywood, still keeping a movie. You got a little bit of everything in... Man, they, they nailed it. I mean, I got nothing I got nothing really bad to say about the film. Agreed. Watch the remake. It's good. <laughs> You'll have a good time. <laughs> I love those Steve Martin scenes. <laughs> I did have some kind of random facts about this. The casting of Audrey in the remake. I'll get, I'm going to put it to you. Who do you think they wanted originally? I'll give you a hint. It's uh, not an actress. It's a musician from the 80s. Oh, wow. Because I was just going to say Tim Curry for... <laughs> um. Would have been would have been phenomenal casting, by the way, if, if Tim Curry was Audrey. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I'm just gonna throw Madonna out there. She's rumored to have been the second choice. Okay, but the first choice. Think more eighties. <laughs> more eighties. Tiffany was doing her mall tour at the time. Right? <laughs> Maybe a little too young too. <laughs> yeah. Damn. I'm trying to think eighties. Um. Now you know. I've also been drinking, so I'm gonna let you. <laughs> Take that You're one gonna back say over. that uh, Cindy Lauper. Wow. Yeah, and I think that would have been a pretty good casting I mean, choice, actually. That'd been pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah that would have been pretty rad. I'm kind of bummed out that she uh, was too busy to do it. But... Too busy having fun <laughs> with the girls, right? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sorry. For okay, that. I, I know. Go ahead, downvote <laughs> us for that. Yeah, that was a terrible <laughs> joke. <laughs> um, let me try to think of the other. I was looking at some stuff on like the IMDb page um all right what do you got you got something mean green mother from outer space which was written for this film was the first oscar nominated song to contain profanity yes because the word shit is said during that song (laughs) i i noticed that when i was watching it not only once twice twice at least twice the word shit is said so cool and i saw one other little factoid i don't know if you had this one but the dentist's office was originally more grungy and blood splattered but those details didn't go over well with those test audiences so yeah, switch it up. Yeah, I saw that too. So they kept it a uh, nice clean. And test audience. Oh, this is an obvious trivia one. We have Jackie Joseph who played Audrey. We have Dick Miller who played the plant eating guy. Both in the original, right? They were mm-hmm. also both a couple 
in not one but two 80s movies two 80s let's call them horror comedies kind of borderline can you identify them i'm so bad at it's okay well jackie joseph and dick miller were both in gremlins gremlins one and two as the married couple they were the futtermans nice that is such a fucking cool thing to just like hey i like these people in the original little shop of horrors i'm gonna cast them as the married couple in gremlins yeah so they were in both gremlins movies i thought that was so cool that's pretty cool i guess another little tidbit bill murray while his lines in the waiting room were scripted but all bill murray's lines in the operating room were all ad lib and he filmed for two days and he was an editor's nightmare because he just (laughs) made up different shit all the time <laughs> which bill murray is known to do just like so much ad lib so it makes sense that totally makes sense and um it, it works you know directors usually don't like when you do that but it's bill murray so he can do whatever he wants and i'll just I'll, i guess i'll just end it here like a lot of these guys in the remake have also been in other films together like uh we got rick moranis and john candy do you know what film they've been in together I'm putting I you on do. the spot. I'm putting you on the big spot right now. Think of a sci-fi comedy. Is it Spaceballs? It is Spaceballs. We have Dark Helmet and Barf. And then we have John Candy and Steve Martin were also in another well-known comedy. Do you know what comedy they were in together? The problem is I do, but I'm <laughs> really bad when I'm put on the spot. Now nah, you got me. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, of course. Of course. Classic. And then, of course, we have Rick Moranis and Bill Murray. They were in a comedy together. We've, I've already said it. You can probably name it or both of them. Well, you're not talking about Ghostbusters, are you? Yeah, it's Ghostbusters. <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> one, or, one or two. doesn't matter. So a lot of these guys have worked together a lot of times. That's pretty cool. All right. So um, definitely check out Little Shop of Horrors, the remake, and... I yeah maybe check out the original too it's free on amazon prime uh you can watch it in color or in black and white the original black and white i would recommend the color version having watched a little bit of both because the black and white just it's i don't think i don't think it's in hd both versions are like in sd but like colorized it just looks better it definitely looks and it's easier to see like yeah. it's just easier to see everything <laughs> so let's figure out the next episode reggie all right so we just did a kind of a comedy and a musical comedy so maybe we want to do maybe an action movie maybe yeah, i think it's time again we had mentioned this before what about death wish wow death wish yeah let's check out <laughs> death wish <laughs> death wish bronson death versus willis let's see how oh, it goes man. oh boy <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> seeing as there were like 17 of the original death wish and only one of the remake I wonder what we'll think. <laughs> I think we'll think something. Well, this has been another great episode of Retro vs. Remake. Yeah, definitely let us know what you think in the comments. Uh, feel free to reach us um, at... At RP Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can check me out at Console Wars Guys on Twitter and Instagram, I believe. And you could also check me out at YouTube.com slash Console Wars and just comment on the video I post up there. <laughs> definitely comment, upvote, and thank you for listening. Uh, many more episodes to come. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks to everybody that's already subscribed and given us uh, great ratings on iTunes. Much appreciated to all you guys. You guys are awesome. So thank you again. I'm Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Bulick. This was another episode of Retro, Retro vs. Remake. Remake.